0: good morning. We're going to be taking a break from our study through the Old Testament. We're in Leviticus, and we're going to be turning our attention to the Christmas story. You know, it's interesting as we think about Christmas, the actual um, holiday and its origins. I don't know if you've taken the time to to do so and why it falls on the 25th. Um, You know, there's a combination of of winter solstice, somewhat of a pagan holiday, and some of the third century um, early, maybe Catholic church, and some of those church leaders got together and decided um, they would count back the days, and, and it's very interesting. Even the things that we put into our homes, you know, there's a story in, in, in all those things, and it's pretty interesting, but, you know, it does remind us um, of the incarnation, right? It's a very significant event whether um, it happened, which it seems that it didn't happen on the 25th of December. But in any case, this is the time to remember. And it's a very significant event. Um, If you could look at some of the things where God directly intervened in a global scale, right, we think of the creation of this planet, right? God, we weren't there, obviously, and, and really our ancestors weren't there. Time wasn't there. But he decided at a certain point that he would start you know, matter, space, time, everything, and he would create man, and so he interjected that, right, but here's a time where that same creator would enter into our world, right, and allow himself to be touched, and to be talked to, and to lean on his chest, and to ultimately, right, to abuse him, and to pluck the beard from his face, to lay hands on him in a violent way, um, and that's the way we thought about our creator, right, It born out because of sin and because of what we chose to uh, do at, at the garden our ancestors right to rebel against him it says of us that everyone born in this world is um is fallen short of god's glory they're not perfect right and so as a result of that sin god would ultimately re- redeem mankind bring him back to himself by the entrance of the son of god the lord jesus christ right as he's known here on earth so what we'd like to do is as we're considering this let's turn to philippians and just as our opening verse we'll try to get through this as quickly as we can um, given the time but we're going to look at philippians 2 in verse 8. these verses are often read for different reasons um, about the lord jesus um, and for good for good measure, right, these are very powerful verses. But in verse eight says, In being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And what we want to look at is being found in the appearance as a man. It's the idea that he's it wasn't that he he began to exist whenever it was he was born, you know, for uh, B.C. or or if you believe 0 A.D. whatever it was the uh, date that he came, uh, was born into this world it wasn't that he's always existed the idea is being found in a, in a state that he did not exist before and so the son of God now has entered into a new state he's always existed he's always God but now he's a 100% man since the event of the incarnation so what we want to look at is where Certain things that we learn, <clears throat> Jason, I might need to get you to advance this if this thing doesn't work. There you go. Uh, what we learn about the Lord Jesus entering into the world, there's, we're going to look at four different things. There's many of them there, but our key phrase is being found in the appearance, coming into the world, or, or, or being found, something to that measure. And then we're going to look at four things that he has accomplished by his entrance into this world. You know, he's going to be coming again. Right? He's appeared for the first time, but his second appearing is going to be vastly, vastly different. And all I'll say about that is that it's going to be something out of a, out of a horror movie, as we would think of apothe- apocalyptic type, right? Slaying, wiping this planet clean of evil, right? It says this that in Isaiah, and I can't wait till, Lord willing, till um, the next month. You know, Randy Amos, I heard he's going through Isaiah. But a a lot of the chapters are dedicated to the second appearing of the Lord Jesus, who's going to scour this planet of evil. No more. Anybody that's part of that is going to be scoured from the face of the planet, right? And ultimately face ultimate judgment, separation from God, and eternity in the lake of fire. But what we learn about the Lord Jesus, first thing we learn about him is we... Heard some quotations this morning, first John chapter three and verse five. It says this. Now I'll be if you'd like to turn, that's up to uh, I leave that to you, but I'll be turning rap pretty quickly as we're trying to fit this in and I'll be reading this if you'd like to follow on. It says this and you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there's no sin. And so there's our phrase, he appeared in order to take away sins. We heard this morning, if you were part of the meeting, it says in, in, in Psalms 103, it says that God has separated your transgression as far as the east is from the west. Now, if anybody can map that or see how long that is, right, the idea is, is that it's, the, the minute you start going east, right, you can continue going east around this planet. But if you take it just on this planet, take it in a universal scale, right, how long is the universe? Well, we don't quite know, we think there is an end, right? But as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he separated our transgressions to get an idea. So he appeared, it says this, um, to take away sin, but it says as in him is no sin. In him is no sin. Peter says this, and it's a quotation from the Old Testament, is that he says that we examined him and what we found is that there's no guile in his mouth. The idea of guile is craftiness. Craftiness. That's something I think every person possesses, right? We try to scheme and we try to work our way through. Even I, I find myself even guilty of this at work, you know, trying to position myself so where I can get the favorable schedules or the lunch times, whatever it is. It's craftiness. And Peter says that under close Scrutiny is the is what it means. Under close scrutiny, we examined him, and there was not even craftiness found in his mouth. Um, when we think of craftiness, what does that make you think of? Thinks of the devil, right? It says he came with craft, right? And his intentions weren't quite clear to you know Eve and to Adam, but he came with craft and deceived man and seduced them to sin. But Of the Lord Jesus, it says that in him was no sin. We'll come back to that uh, later. But uh, let's go to Titus 3. Just a couple chapters over. In Titus 3, it says this. But when the kindness of our of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of our deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercies, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing uh, uh, by the Holy Spirit. When the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love uh, for mankind appeared, And so there it is, reference to an event. Now this is talking about uh, the kindness and his love, and I I label this as merciful. He's merciful. But what would be identified of the Lord Jesus, right, is merciful. And in Psalms, there's great chapters dedicated to the mercies of the Lord. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. Um, Solomon wrote, and I believe it's in Song of Solomon, or uh, Lamentations, that his mercies are new every morning. Every time I wake, there's new mercies for me. His mercies and his love are never exhausted. If you can imagine that. But it says here in particular, when it appeared, when this appeared, right? God is love, it says the, of the, uh, uh, in, in the book of John. It says that God is love, right? And when it appeared, it did something, right? It, it, it saved us. Uh, not on the basis of the deeds what we've done are righteous, but according to his mercies, right? So here he is. He appears on the scene. God is love. God is merciful. The kindness of our Lord, uh, of God, of our God, our Savior, and his love appeared for all mankind, and he saved us. Now, we have to mention this, that who is this us, right? When we think about the universal, uh, well, we'll get to that in a second, but when we think about this, it's not You know, everybody has the opportunity, right? God has made provision for everybody, but it's only those who receive it by faith, right? That's who the us is. We want to make that very clear, right? Because there are people, maybe in this room, but definitely out there, right? And and you rub shoulders with them every day, maybe even your own family. God has come and he has appeared already. That's something past, right? And if you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're that person who he saved, not according to your works, right? Every other religion in this world is do, do, do when Christianity, biblical Christianity is done, right? Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ has done everything. He saved you not according to your works of righteousness, but according to his mercy. But he's made provision for every single one of you in this planet from the beginning to the end. But only those who receive, make that, uh, receive it by faith, right? Repentance and confession with the mouth. Those are the ones who are saved. Those are the ones where the blood can be applied and you can be cleansed. So he's merciful, right? When he appeared, he showed, we saw a display of his mercy. And I'll just make mention of this, of, of the Lord Jesus. If you look at some of the stories, I mean, just the mercy that he displayed when he was here, right? To, to touch and to lay hands on people that have never been touched in multiple years of their life. Right? People that have been suffering with diseases that you know you probably wouldn't even get within you know twenty feet of, right? Leprosy, skin falling off. But here's the Lord Jesus laying hands, the Creator, right, who's formed them before they even had a conscience. He formed that person. He knew everything about them, not just their anatomy, but who they were and how to speak to their heart. He touched them, right? He's merciful. And I think of, of Isaiah. We'll just uh, we're gonna go there in a second read some more but it says this of of the lord that as powerful as he is i was thinking this as we, we we had my sister got married and um i was able to walk up with my little niece right but as i'm as i go to sit back down right she just is sleeping doesn't know what's going on but little does she know and of course there's not major dangers there in that building but you know, if I just left her on the ground, she's, she could be in danger, right? But there I am, I picked her up and I pulled her up to my stomach, right? And kept her close. The idea of the Lord Jesus, it says this, that he's grabbed them, this certain people, and brought them to his bosom, right? That he would care for them individually, not just as a nation, but individually. And we see God's mercy, right? That he is somebody isn't distant and far away. We knew that before he even entered into this world. But it says there that when the kindness of our God and Savior and his love appeared for mankind, he did something, right? And according to his mercy, he saved us. Next thing we learn about the Lord Jesus and his coming is his obedience. If there's anything classified that you could say about him is that he was obedient. It says in one passage that he was obedient unto death and even the death of the cross. But it says this in in hebrews chapter 10 and verse 5 it says when he therefore when he comes into the world there's our phrase when he comes he says this sacrifice and offering thou has not desired but a body thou hast prepared for me and burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou has taken no pleasure then i said behold i have come in the roll of the book As it is written of me, to do Thy will, O God. If there's anything that you could say about him is that he was obedient, and particularly in this in this chapter, what he's talking about is doing away with the old system, right, and bringing in something new. The old system, while it was a prototype, right, it was a shadow, as it were, of what was to come of the law, right. But it couldn't make the worshipper clean, right. It was a covering. Their conscience was still guilty, but it couldn't do it. But the Lord Jesus Christ could, so he came to take away that and bring in something new. But it also, in John 17, um, very important chapters where God has a, it opens up to us. He lets us see a conversation between God and God, right? God the Father in heaven, God the Son here on Earth, and He prays to him. He says to him that, "I have glorified your name on the earth, having completed the work that you have given me to do." He's done everything. Has anybody ever been able to say that since or even before him? No, right? Everything that God has laid out for him, he's completed, right? The Lord Jesus has completed. In particular, it says that sacrifice and offering thou has not desired. You know, these are things that God wanted, right? These are things that God prescribed. Um, When you came to worship, you brought these certain things. But what is it that God really desires? And this is something of application for me and you, is obedience, right? Obedience to his word, loving him, not just doing things. The things that we can do, the Christian things, whatever it may be, can sometimes replace the obedience, can sometimes replace the person who we've come to remember, right? Sacrifice and offering, thou hast not desire, but a body that has prepared for me. There was a particular work that he was given to do, and it involved taking upon himself that he was not before, right? Human flesh, and as we said before, it wasn't just that he he became man, right? That was a stoop. If that wasn't a stoop enough for a God incarnate and, and all and powerful would step aside and put that aside for a moment, right? Just to be clothed in human flesh. He was still 100% God, right? But dwelling in the presence of the Lord in, in heaven, right? He came here on earth. But a body that has prepared for me. For what purpose? Well, If you know the story, right, it was to be abused. It was to be that sacrifice. It was to be, to take upon himself and shoulder the sins of the world, right? To take upon him the penalty that you and that I deserved, right? He didn't deserve it, but a body that was prepared for me. And whole birth offerings I have taken, no pleasure. And so what does God take pleasure in? Well, he takes pleasure in his son, that's for sure. But in application, he takes pleasure in those who obey him, right? In obedience, and so one thing that would be classified of the Lord Jesus when he comes into the world we find obedience. He was obedient. Now let's look at this one. This is a I would say this is a very important one. But in first Peter and then we'll turn to Isaiah for some other reading, but 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20. For he was foreknown there's our phrase Oh, actually, not yet. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared. There it is, in these last times, for the sake of you. And so the appearance is in these last times. When we find that phrase, the Bible often takes the day before, right? The day before everything was before that, um, you know, that before the Lord Jesus came into into existence, right? But in these last times, he talks about when he would come and start interacting with the world. He started interacting with Israel, right? But Israel ultimately was put aside for a time, right? They're going to be brought back. But in these last times, he's doing something new. God is moving history, right? This, the Lord Jesus entered in right 2,000 years ago, but he's still calling this these last times. In these last times has appeared for you. God is moving, human, uh, moving this world into a direction, Do you know where you're going to be headed? And that's the question I asked you. In these last times, right, this world and what we see is going to be burned up, right? The things that we work for every day, the things that we're building, the things that we invest in are not going to matter later. Maybe not even going to matter when we, I mean, very soon, right? We might be taken away from this planet soon, right? Either in death or the Lord Jesus Christ will come back. But in these last times, he's moving towards, but in these last times, he has appeared but when we want to focus in on this he was foreknown before the foundation of the world when we come across this phrase its the idea before you know there was a point in time as we said before that matter time space all these things came into existence the elements right god created order and and we know time because that's the way our mind thinks right 1776 we think of these years you know the this nation was or there was a decoration right we think of different years and we know well certain things started happening 1939 1940 World War II started somewhere around there Germany invades Poland you know we think about this but when we talk about God who has no timeline right it just is before that's it before in in eternity past right that's the only thing you can label it as because there is no starting date for God there was none and so before the foundation of the world he existed Right? Before the foundation of the, of the world, he existed. And you know, I find that very fascinating just because of this. If we just take a moment to think about, you know, if we were in God's shoes, you know, why would we ever get involved in a people who didn't want us to begin with? Right? I mean, well, I shouldn't say beginning. In the beginning, of course, they did. There was close fellowship. But not far long after, they chose to go their own way. Right? They chose somebody else. They were seduced by the evil one, right? And ultimately, we're called the works of the devil. But um, why would he ever get involved with them? The psalmist says this, and it's quoted in the New Testament. It says what, uh, it says this of God, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? And the idea is, is, why do you direct your thoughts towards him? And why would you even dare to mingle in his affairs? Why would you even get involved? A powerful God who always existed, why would he even get involved? Well, it's his character. Looking at Isaiah, very, very powerful chapter. We're just going to read, i just like to read a couple of verses. But chapter 40, I mean, talking about the greatness of God. We'll read that verse that I made allusion to. But here in in uh, chapter 40, verse 10, it says behold the lord god is will come with might with his arm ruling for him and behold his reward is with him this is a this is quoted in, Re, in revelation and his recompense is before him like a shepherd he will tend his flock and in his arms he will gather the lambs and he will carry them in his bosom and gently lead the nursing ewes i mean what i mean what a gracious god Right, as powerful as he is, he would gently lead those who have gone astray. Right? We learn a couple things. It classifies us as sheep. I haven't been around well, animals in general that much to understand how they act. But what I can read about him is that sheep are very stubborn. Right? Sheep want to do their own thing. And there needs to be a shepherd. Not just a shepherd that's, you know, going to break their legs to bring them back. And sometimes things have to be hard on them to learn a lesson. But somebody that would deal gently with the animal. And the Lord Jesus needs to be, uh, he decided to be gently and to deal gently with us, right? We're classified or we're like lambs, but it says this, nursing ewes, right? Little lambs. And that's the way the Lord Jesus sees us, right? Just helpless. And that he would bring us, in with his arm he would carry us near his bosom some a place of 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 pleasure right somewhere where he's we're close to him i mean it's just amazing like a shepherd he would classify himself says the lord jesus that he is the great shepherd he would say but like a shepherd now this is what i look and look at is verse 12. speaking about god being eternal before the foundation of the world the eternal all-powerful god who who has measured these are questions. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Now, there's a beach not far from here. Sometimes we go there to, for evangelism. But I don't know if you've looked at it. Can you see anything past? What do you see when you just look out there? It just looks like two horizons, right? There's the water, and then there's the sky. Now, can you imagine all the world and all the seas there? And it says this, in the palm of his hand, there it is. There's the waters of the seas in the palm of his hands. And yet that same hand, or that same hand would write in the sand testimonies of mercy and love to a woman who was condemned and found guilty. That same hand would touch a person, as we said before, who, was, who maybe hasn't been touched all their life, right? With a disease, a wasting disease that people wouldn't even get close to, but the creator of heaven and earth would. In the palm of his hands, who has measured out the hollow? Now, these are questions, of course, it's rhetorical, nobody has. And marked off the heavens by a span, calculating the dust of the earth by measure. Two measurements here. Who has, calc- who has marked off the heavens by a span? Who's measured them? We can't even today with te- today's technology, right? We think that there is a limit. We just don't know where it is. He knows it. Calculated the dust of the earth by measure. I mean, sometimes we get together uh, and actually pretty soon the holiday party, you know, like, you, I don't know if you've ever done this like, pick up some kind of candy m&ms or something you put it in a jar like you all try to guess and like look around and see how many are in there right but could you imagine little grains of sand in the entire world who who can count it nobody god knows it it says of god also that he can count the number of hairs on your head i mean some of us maybe are losing hair it's not it's not to be talking well i have none but the idea is that he knows everything about you there's not anything that is hidden from him and weighed the mountains in a balance these are things about the world in the hills in a pair of scales and verse 13 it says this: who has directed the spirit of the lord or who as his counselor has informed him were you there to think about the plan of salvation how to rescue mankind i mean it says this before the foundation of the world he was foreknown right god was known before the foundation of the world that he uh, that in the godhead council that it would be the son of god even before we came into existence that it would have been him, and the manner that he would die, even the crucifixion, right? It wasn't even invented then, that that's the manner that he would do it. Who has directed the spirit of the Lord, right? This plan of salvation, this Christmas story as we've come to remember, is something that is originated from the mind of God. Who has counseled him or informed him? Nobody, right? And, you know, I don't know where you're at in your life, but oh, Christian... I say this, is that if you are searching for answers in the sense of direction, right? You know Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior, right? There he is, an ultimate resource of knowledge and information, right? He is there to guide, right? He has given you his word, for one. He has given you his commands to obey, right? And there he is. Who can, who can counsel him? Nobody. He's the great counselor, right? He's the one who's able to speak to your soul. Maybe you're in a world of hurt maybe there's some sin that you've been uh, committing in your life it, whatever the make the case is right the spirit of god can minister to you he's a great counselor who has informed him nobody has and to whom has gave uh consult and to him understanding or who has taught the path of justice and taught him knowledge and informed him in the way of understanding and it goes on and on about how the greatness of god right and there's nobody that's taken god to school right nobody has he didn't go to Dallas Theological Seminary, right? He didn't go to learn about how to be merciful, how to read the Bible or anything like this. And I say that reverently, but you know, nobody has taught him that because he is the originator of righteousness, he is the originator of peace, he is the originator of morality in this world, right? And so um, God is the originator of these things and the greatness of it, as great as he is and as marvelous as it is, he is, somebody who is personable, somebody who wants to be involved in individual lives, and would bring healing, ultimately from sin, right? He has made the way clear, right? He has made the path clear by the entrance of the Lord Jesus Christ and his death and his burial and his resurrection. But um, he's ever now, it says this to the Christian, it says that he lives in heaven making intercession. The high priest was somebody not only that went before God and represented the the people, but he was somebody who could teach the other priests and the other people right the ways of God and sometimes we have and personally right we've gone astray and we've chosen things that are not healthy to us and are offensive to God but the our great high priest intercedes for us right and speaks to us gently as it says the great shepherd and brings us as nursing ewes to himself right just really remarkable and awesome as we think about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's ever doing now so we learn that he's eternal and really quick, we'll try to get through this. We're almost to the end. Is what we learn about what he did when he came in. We've already made mention this in First John, chapter three. Uh, it says this uh, a little bit further down. It says this: the one who practiced. It says that we already we already learned that he uh, appeared to take sins away. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God has appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And so there's, I label this as damage cleanup. And you say, well, what's the works of the devil? I I asked this question myself. In the chapter, it seems to be talking about, uh, uh, it's a term, I would say it as sin, right? Because it talks about those who are of the devil is those who practice sin. Those are the works of the devil. Right. That's, there's there's no other uh, a way that I would think about it in the context that it thinks of. But the works of the devil, you know, everything that has happened because of sin, if you think about it. Right. I mean, we're born into it. We kind of just think that's just the way the world is. I mean, lions eating other animals, you know, disorder. You think, well, that's just the way it is. You wouldn't go up and pet a little lion. Right. Because, you no, the, the thing eats you. Right. He eats meat. But, you know, there, there is a time where the lion's going to eat grass again. It did before. It's, it appears it did. But things are so out of disorder. It said that the earth, because of sin, because the entrance of sin, is groaning. Even the earth itself, creation, is groaning because of what has happened. The works of the devil and the the effect it's have on creation, not alone ourselves, right? I mean, it doesn't take long if you just look at yourself or just think about it. The further you get along in age, right, things are deteriorating, right? That it, I think Tony came in and said it's oxygen oxidizing or you know like rust but the idea is is because sin has entered in um, death has passed on to all men and everybody's in a slow state of decay not just their outer body but they have been separated from god they've been separated from their creator and it says that god has appeared for this purpose that he might destroy the works of the devil and all we can say to that is amen right I mean, amen. He's come to destroy these things, to damage cleanup. He came to clean up everything that has happened. The things that we brought upon ourselves, not the things that he did, right? He didn't come in to apologize about things. It's the things that we did. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, could you imagine? I mean, I I just think of a, a simple example. I mean, the owner and the CEO of our company, Frank Sacco, I mean, could you imagine, I just, I made a mistake actually this week on something, and could you imagine that Frank Sacco would come in and then to fix something that he probably doesn't even know about, for one thing, but, I mean, just the fact that he would do that would be like, whoa, you know, this guy really does care about not just the company, but people, you know. He, he wants to try to help me, but God, the Lord Jesus Christ, appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Amen to that damage cleanup. What else did we learn? Can- the canceling of death and an, introduction, an induction, introducing of life. It says this in Second Timothy, one passage over. It says in verse 10, but he has now been revealed, um, but now has been revealed. So now it has been revealed. What has it? By the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death, number one, brought life and immortality to light, through the gospel we we're just talking about life like this morning but he did two things abolish death right He brought to not death meaning that death now has no reign over you those who are in christ jesus can you imagine a life like that well you say well i still do die but we're talking about right now there's you can experience right life he's given it to you not only eternal life, right, but one day he's going to change the body that you will live. This body will be done away with. The body will be prepared for heaven. A body that will never die. But he's done away with death, right, and all its fears, and all its sorrows. He's abolished it. We had a time uh, in this in this history where there was an abolishment. There was an act, right, abolishment of slavery, we think of. But it really wasn't abolished till you know, well, the... Everything else that followed from it in the persecution of, of that wasn't until later. But this happened immediately, right? This was a, happened immediately. The abolishment of death, and he brought to light and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So there's man. One of the descriptions of man um, that you read, in, 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 especially in Isaiah, is that he's groping around in the darkness. And I don't know if you've ever been to where it's so dark. You can't see inside your, you know, you can't see, like, literally right in front of your face, like, if you put your hand. I mean, it's like darkness you can almost feel. like It's like you're groping, like, man, where is everything? Even in a place that you maybe know. And that's the idea of all this world, right? They're in darkness. But when the entrance of the Lord Jesus came in, right, he is light. And he brought life and immortality to light. He showed us the way to have Im- Im- uh, Immortality, eternal life. He's shown it through how, the gospel, right? And so he's abolished death, part one, but he's also brought life. He's brought something better, and he's brought it to light through the gospel. You know, as we said before, the gospel while it is presented to every uh, man, but it's only those who receive it, right? It's only those who repent, and those who confess the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior will be saved. Removal of sin, we've we've already mentioned this a couple times, but the idea of removal of sin, right? The East is from the West. No more will those ever come before God. And that's significant when we think about it. God who knows everything, he chooses not to remember your sins no more. It's part of the new covenant. But he's taken that sin far away, right? There was a, uh, actually we're studying in Leviticus, and there's a picture of it. Uh, you might not know it too well, but I'll just explain it as best as I can. But they brought two sacrifices, two lambs. There was two that were brought on the Day of Atonement. One was they, they would lay, the, the, the priest would lay his hand on the head, right? And it was the idea of the sins of the people being transmitted to that person, uh, to that lamb. And that lamb was set free, right? Never to be taken again and wander around. And that's the idea of our sins. It's been taken away by the sacrifice, never to be brought up. And the Lord Jesus Christ has taken away our sin. Removal of sin. I mean, praise the Lord. Amen to that. And let's look at one more. And then we'll close. Universal salvation. And we're going back to Titus. A few pages over. Titus 2.11. And then we'll close with a question. For the grace of our God has appeared. We talked about... The mercy we talked about his love appearing but here's the grace of god it appeared at a particular point the grace of god has appeared bringing salvation to all men and so god didn't come to save just a certain people while he was right the salvation was offered to the jew first and then to the gentile those who are non-jews right but it wasn't just for a particular amount of people it was for it was offered for all men right the grace of God God's totality right he he never will stop being gracious he will never quit he will never quit to love he will never quit to be merciful and that's something that is of comfort to my own mind right that he's not going to change his mind about what he did and while Here on earth, I might, through my feelings and my emotions, which can go like this at times, can feel like, man, I'm not too saved, you know, or I'm not acting like it. But I can read this. I can read something like this, that the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all men. And I can know that what has happened has not, I haven't had a part with it. The only thing I've done is say, yes, Lord, I am a sinner. Come and save me. The only thing that I, that's the only thing I have in, in, a part of, but here it is, the grace of God has appeared at one particular point, bringing salvation to all men. And of course, that's mankind. It's not just men and not women, but that's everybody, right? And that's the offer that the Lord Jesus is offering, that God is offering. And, and I say this as an application, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, for those who are Christians. When we think about the grace of God, what is it? That sin, grace is greater than sin, right? We know that. But it also, it teaches us something else. And if you're here as a Christian this morning, it says this in the very next chapter, uh, in the next verse, instructing us to, uh, to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, to live sensibly, righteous, uh, uh, righteously, godly in this present age. And so my first challenge to you this morning as a believer and to myself is that the grace of God has appeared what has it done not only brought salvation but has instructed you how to live godly not just how to live godly and righteously but to live sensibly sensibly understanding that this is the last times and that God's plan is moving ever closer right where that that time where he's going to scour this earth clean of evil what are you doing right as a Christian How are you being a witness to those who you love? How are you being a witness to those that God has placed you by uh, at work, at school? That's not there by accident, right? There needs to be Christians in these areas. Are you living sensibly? Are you denying ungodly behavior and worldly desires? I think that's the biggest snare for the Christian, right? The biggest snare for the christian is being one as 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 the lord jesus christ would stoop and wash his disciples feet right they were already clean what it need to be washing their feet right because they were walking through a place that was dirty and as a believer right the worldly desires can snare a person down can render you know god forbid render a christian unfruitful at a time right but the grace of god has appeared for that purpose to, uh, to uh, instructing us to deny godliness and worldly desires. How has it instructed us? Well, we just consider the Lord Jesus Christ, right? We consider what he did on the cross. And why would you not want to live in his, for his honor and glory? Why would you not want to? Right? Why would you not want to love him and do his commands? So that's the challenge for the believer. But the one for the unbeliever would say this. There was a question asked there was a question asked at the end of his, um, well, his first appearing. But while he was standing at a, at, a, at a phony trial, right, they've already made up their minds, right? So they had some kind of mock trial just to make sure that it was legal in their minds to put him to death. But they brought him before the governor, the governor that was over Galilee at the time. He was a Roman, right? His name was Pilate. And as he's bringing the Lord Jesus Christ before them, right, they, they want him dead, right, the people. But he says this question and I asked this to you this morning. It says what then shall you do or it says I you can say I if you want. What then shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? What is it? Right, you've learned the things that he's done maybe this morning. You've learned what he's come to do. And you've even heard maybe briefly that he's coming again, right? To deal with evil, to deal with those who are sinners, to deal with those who hate his name who hate him. They won't exist forever. They do now, right? And they persecute you if you are a believer this morning, right? They laugh at you. Maybe even one day in this country, right, in other parts of the world it's even worse, but in this country maybe they'll seize your assets. Maybe they'll close you down. You can't speak that name in this, in this job place anymore, right? Maybe you'll lose your job, whatever the case is. But one day, just commit that to the Lord, right? Continue living for him because one day he's going to do away with evil. No more. So what then will you do with Jesus who is called Christ, right? He didn't come just to give us, you know, just for us to have this kind of holiday where we can think about gifts and, and giving gifts to different people, right? He came for a particular purpose, and that was to do the Father's will, many things, right? To do the Father's will, but ultimately to die on a cross and to save mankind and bring them back as that great shepherd back to himself. But it's those who are willing and those who obey him, um, in the, in the way of repentance, right? Repentance and confession with the mouth, and then you will be saved. So what then shall you do with Jesus who is called Christ? Let's close in a word of prayer. Our Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this brief time that we can just look into your word. And Lord, we, are, we just marvel as we look back over this story that the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, would enter into this world and that he would care for uh, such miserable sinners as us but we thank you that it's not about us, it's about him. And we've come to remember him this morning in his death, but also we've come to celebrate him uh, in, his, in his birth, Lord, in his entrance. We think one day that he'll be coming back, Lord, in, in a vastly different way, uh, not in humbleness, but riding on the horse of victory and slaying people with the breath of his mouth. We think, Lord, I just pray that none of here would ever have to experience that; that, would not have to see that but that they would come to you in, in repentance and confession that you are Lord and that they were to receive your son as Savior and that they would be saved today. Pray for your blessing on this day. In Lord Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.